This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Go to att.com slash unlimited to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly. We're taking you inside this year's best contenders for the industry's biggest awards. I'm your host, Shana Naomi Crockmall, the digital director at EW, and I'm joined this week by EW senior writer and author of our Awardist column, Pia Sinaroy. Hello, Pia. Hi. Hi. And we also have Ben Mankiewicz, who is uh, the host of Turner Classic Movies. Welcome, Ben. Uh, hello to both of you. Hello. Uh, This podcast is part of our comprehensive awards coverage in the magazine and online at EW.com. This week, we're going to talk about some of the latest kind of like trickle of updates on the Oscars broadcast itself. Big winners from the BAFTAs, the Cinematographer Awards, and even the Grammys. And Ben is here to help us figure out a, a big picture question. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Which is how does a big picture, a best picture winner or loser become a classic or does it or does it make any difference or is the classics and the classical canon completely separate from everything we've been talking about when it comes to award shows. So we're going to we're going to dig into that. We'll get some of I'll have the definitive answer. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm really glad. That's what that's why you're Must here. Be a really so, you guys. Absolutely. Finally get that question answered. Thank you. Um, and Ben will give us some other bold takes as we've been doing and we'll also hear Pia's conversation with Cold War director Pavel Pavlikowski. Uh, welcome to the awardist, everyone. Uh, should we talk about the BAFTAs? Let's do it. Yes. All right, Pia, tell us. Um, <laughs> I feel like since you're British and also <laughs> cover film, this should that be your department, be right? Let, so. let, let me just, uh, before we do the BAFTA, because I had a good BAFTA story. Please. I, I love a good BAFTA story. I host, it's not really a BAFTA story, it's an air travel and publishing story, <laughs> but I, I hosted the American Society of Cinematographers Awards on Saturday night, second year I've done that. Great thrill. There's no tougher room in Hollywood than, than, the than a bunch of cinematographers, right? But I bet you looked great. Uh, I did, I, <laughs> and I think we did okay. I got some help writing it, significant help writing the uh, monologue from Matt Oswald, Patton Oswald's brother, very funny guy. And uh, I think, anyway, I think we did pretty well. And uh, but uh, the so uh, Alfonso Cuarón came, but he the publicist because the show as all shows do it was running long and. And they were desperate that it be over at 10:30, because that's the last award given for right. feature film. Because he had to get on a plane, and he had he just come in, and he had to get back, and he had to he get is to London. Jet setting everywhere. He, he, was like, he has to get to London, and, and we were like, I think it's, I think I was like, well, I think we'll make. And they were like, you, you think, or <laughs> you, sure? or you know. I mean, they <laughs> were they were like, it's really, I really need him out the door. I need him out the door at 10:30. Can he get out the door at 10:30? And I was like, man, this guy's got to fly. He has like, more awards this? to win, yep. more That's awards right. to win. I actually up. was amazed that Alfonso was in London and then came back to LA mm-hmm. and then went straight back to London back in to the London. course of like three days. Like That's right. most people just go and camp out in London for sure. like the week and enjoy the festivities. But Alfonso and Netflix here have been, I mean, they have been touting him around it's everywhere. All, but it's also a testament to how uh, much the, it, the those who work inside the industry uh, value the cinematography awards like that was not and he mm-hmm. nominated his movie he shot it and he directed it and obviously it was not something that he felt comfortable like I can't make it fellas right, right. sorry I'm busy <laughs> I have to be at the BAFTAs yeah I mean he's been so proud of of shooting this because he usually works with um, other cinematographers so the fact that he shot this um, I think has been something yeah that it's a testament really to not just right to exactly how he felt about his own movie but he yeah. did not win he did not win. He lost to Cold War. He lost right? to Cold War. All right. Yeah. We're going to get into the cinematographers <laughs> in a minute. At BAFTAs, at the BAFTAs, he did win. He did win at the BAFTAs. So um, so Roma got a really big boost, actually, because it won Best Film, which is the top prize of the night. Um, and it also won Foreign Language Film as well. Um, and I think this is just... Roma has been going from strength to strength this award season, it continues to be kind of the darling of award season in a way. Um, and I think people really like that Alfonso and his two leading ladies have been out there like campaigning and schmoozing the lovely people. Uh, Alfonso also won Best Director over um, 
Pavel, as mm -hmm. we mentioned, and Spike Lee. Um, so I think these are all really great kind of like boost to the momentum. Whether it will actually lead to the Oscar wins. And the favorite picked up quite, I think, seven, right? Total wins. Yes. So is that because it is a British film? on home territory. I mean, The Favourite <laughs> is a great film. Like, that's not that's not the question, but is the fact that it seemed to pick up so many awards related? Is this a geographical I like, mean, home I think, team advantage? I think the BAFTAs do love to reward British film because, of course, that is what they're part of doing, part, what, what the organisation does, uh, celebrating the best of British talent here. And The Favourite does symbolise that in many ways. Uh, plus, it's a, an excellent film. So I think... Um, the fact that it did not win best film, but it won best British film, it sort of gives you the indication of where it may come to sit in the overall Oscars race. I have to say, and, and Ben, you can speak to this too, that there isn't like a huge amount of correlation between BAFTA winners and Oscar winners, but I think it all just, it's a bit like the Golden Globes in a way, but actually there's a bit more overlap than the Golden Globes because a lot of BAFTA members are members of the Academy. It's the last um, big really kind of showy show it is. before it's, we get to the Oscars. Exactly, it's like the last big kind of real like pit stop on the awards circuit for everybody and then they have like a little bit of downtime. So I think with the favorite doing really well, you know, it gives it gives its it, it gives the whole campaign a bit of a boost, but because it didn't win best film and and Roma won, to me that's a, a little bit of a, a bummer. Let me let me ask you what I think would be to me just from uh, mo uh, yeah, almost everything I say is anecdotal. Um, <laughs> Uh, but is there resistance among, as much resistance, any resistance among BAFTA voters to a Netflix picture the way mm. there is among Academy voters? I mean, Netflix clearly this year thought we're going to put this movie into theaters mm. and we're going to promote it in theaters because Netflix badly wants to be able to say they feel like if they get one, where mm -hmm. they, right. hey, look, we got a Best Picture winner, then, right. then the floodgates will open and that resistance to a movie that that these guys, many of the older yeah. voters, these men and women think, this is not a movie, this is on TV. It's good, but it's on TV. Is that same thought process exist? Uh, I think that's a good England? question. The one thing I think it, I will look at is a lot of British like filmmaking talent have had a really wonderful opportunity if they've worked with Netflix to achieve this like recognition internationally that they haven't been able to do. Because prior to that, if you're making a TV show, uh, out of England, you have to really be picked up by BBC America or PBS or yeah. uh, AMC or something in order to be recognized here. Uh, with Netflix or Amazon, whatever, now you, you have this ability to hit all these markets in one go. So I would say, I think the stigma may have been there, but I think it's actually been, it's kind of been worn down a lot and people are seeing the value of what it means to have this great streaming platform that like connects the global audience together and i think the british sort of filmmaking you know community is smaller than mm -hmm. hollywood mm -hmm. so i think there's a lot of benefit when they're all together in the room a lot of those people have worked on netflix mm -hmm. things so i actually think perhaps that has actually faded away um and i think like you said with with roma being put out in theaters and Netflix sort of trying to play game here with with theatrical as well as streaming. Um, I think that's perhaps placated some of the people who were holdouts. Plus, it's a very exquisite, like cinephiles film. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, so, we're, we're gonna we're gonna find out on Oscar night. Yeah. Whether, we, how much of that resentment still holds? <laughs> Do we think that the Britishness of it also helped Rami Malek, who picked up another win for actor? I think Rami Malek has been really interesting to me. I definitely a month ago wouldn't have called this uh, for him, but I'm happy for him. I think the thing that I always thought about Bohemian Rhapsody is how much people really love Queen and the music of Queen. And so regardless of the controversies behind the making of the mm -hmm. film, um, Rami actually has been the standout talent of it. He completely like drives the film uh he's he's done as many interviews as he can talking about it and really addressing everything in the best way that he can and i think when i was at the oscar nominees luncheon last week rami was 
the darling of the room. Interesting. Like th there was Lady Gaga in one quarter who had a line around her, and there was Rami Malek, who's the other. Which is, you know, this is a room full of like real big names, and those were the two people who had huge groups around them. People were like rushing to meet Rami and congratulating him on his performance and saying they were so blown away. Who by goes him. to this luncheon? So it's uh, it's nominees and it's uh, Academy like board members. That suggests that he, he's also a prohibitive favorite. That suggests that he's uh, uh, that he's going to win because yeah. he also, you know, and, and mm -hmm. considering that he also won at SAG. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. I think I think the momentum for him has very yeah. much like right now he's kind of the the one to beat, which is not it's oh. not what I no. a month ago I was like it's Christian Bale. I mean Sarus. Christian Bale also <laughs> actually not American, no matter the confusion well, from American audiences, and yet got beat there. Anyway, but I mean he is a if you if you check the the international mm -hmm. odds, which are really rarely wrong on this. These people, are, you know, I remember when. Uh, uh, I was interviewing, I was on the Oscar pre-show one year, but I talked a lot about gambling, and so I was <laughs> not, not back on the Oscar pre-show. Um, but it was, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Do you need to talk about gambling odds on TCM? Or is <laughs> yeah. this just when you're other places? This is uh, James, uh, I'll TCM, they don't, they don't care. Uh, James uh, Franco was up for the for 127 hours. Hours, right, yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the who's the? That was the year he was hosting as well. No, he was not. I don't think he was. He hosting that year. I too? think he was. He was nominated and he was hosting with Anne Hathaway. I don't remember it being the same year, but it well might have been. You, you, you I, I could I, be I'll wrong. trust you. I'll trust you much more. But anyway, he was nominated and he said because the overwhelming favorite was why am I blanking out on uh, his name? The, the handsome guy who was in Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> Colin, Colin Firth. Firth. <laughs> I, knew, I, I, I wanted to say Colin Firth. So, uh, so Colin Firth for the King's Speech was the mm -hmm. overwhelming favorite, and you had to you had to bet. To win a thousand dollars on Colin Firth that year, you had to bet a hundred thousand dollars just to win a thousand. Yeah. So I was basically saying, I said, look, this is like the Green Bay Packers playing rooting a for high, the a Patriots, high, a high school team, <laughs> yeah. like like a good high school team, but a high school team. They had won the Super Bowl the year before, I think. So I'm like, so there's no, there's no point in that's over. He's won, and uh, and James Franco was like, yeah, I was watching the pre-show, and then it turned out uh, I learned I had no chance. <laughs> Some guy came on and told me I have absolutely zero chance uh, to win. He dashed his hopes and dreams. But uh, Rami Malik is basically uh, like at uh, two to seven, one to four even here. So you got to bet $400 to win 100 on him. Yeah. He's a prohibitive favorite. Christian Bale, the second choice. And then it's, and then Cooper, uh, Mortensen, and, and Defoe are, are way down yeah. the list. Interesting. Yeah. So you, let's talk about the Cinematographer's Award. You hosted... Um, at the American Society of Cinematographers. Yep. Do they do? do you, can you get odds on cinematographers? No, I couldn't. No. I, <laughs> you I, should I, set odds I on looked, cinematographers. I looked. I, you, <laughs> I usually, if, you like, if you're a gambler, you can usually find a way to bet on just about anything. Uh, uh, I, I am, how, did, I, how did those cinematographers do? Who really came out on top? Well, the big award the the, for Best Picture went to uh, went to Cold War, went to Wukash Zal uh, for Cold War, and that surprised me. I mean, just in the clip though that they showed prior to it. You know, you can just see uh, it's the scene where she's dancing to mm -hmm. the, you know, to mm -hmm. Buddy Holly, I think, and and you're like, this the scene. Is, oh, it's just, and it's so brilliantly shot. It's infectious. It's full of, it's full of this sense that you're in a dark place, but we found this joy in this dark place, and. Yeah, I feel uh, like that scene plays even better because the rest of the film is so the like that's right. austere opposite of that, yeah. and everything is extra black and white, like extra gray yeah. and sad, and then finally you have that moment of, that, Right, that's yeah. this, this joy that sneaks through. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that, I was like, boy, that is beautiful. You know, and uh, so I was very pleased to see it, but uh, but uh, but I thought, uh, my my I just guessed, I have no way of knowing, but I thought Quaron would win, in part because yeah. I thought, I mean, he, he was in London, he flew, he flew <laughs> he here. He came all the way here. Back, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was but he did win the BAFTA. I was yeah he did win the BAFTA. I was told that but he had um, to get out of there by 10:30. I'm sure you. many people have the story, so I won't reveal who it was. But I was told somebody in uh, on the East Coast for a Golden Globes a few years ago, a television actor was like, "No, I'm not coming. I, I can't. I'm here. I'm, my family's here. I'm not flying all the way out there." And the Globes were like, "You won. You, you really, oh, <laughs> yeah. really want to yeah. come? Yeah, you have to come." <laughs> and he was wow. like, "Oh, well, all right. Yeah." <laughs> right. In that case. In that case. <laughs> I'll happily. I would say maybe that's something the Globes can get that's away right. with. That's right. I don't think I don't think that I don't think the cinematographers uh, bother with that. Yet. And there is generally, I mean, how much of a correlation is there between whoever wins um, at the cinematographers awards 
with you Tiasca. Know, I, I mean, I, I think, well, you're not going to see it this year. I'd be surprised uh, if, uh, but you know, cinematographers are very focused on, on and I, I had heard, and again, I don't know that this is true, but I had, uh, this is all uh, uh, wild conjecture, but there was some talk that, that, that maybe Quaron didn't shoot all of it, so among cinematographers, oh, they thought that maybe somebody else deserves some. Mm. But anyway, that's to take nothing away from uh, Lukas Zal because that is a, a mm -hmm. beautifully shot film, and it's just mm -hmm. nice that the, that this group, the ASC, sees, you know, a, a, a Polish film like that that doesn't yeah. even get a wide release here in America, and they have no, like, they're not in. There's no marketing that influences them. Like yeah, they it's just sheer, sheer respect for appreciation. The yeah, that's right. I do think it's interesting though that it did come down to these two beautiful black and white foreign mm. films. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. So that shows. Good news for good news for TCM. <laughs> Right. And I'm sure this means we're going to see like 20 black and white films in 20 so many right? black and white movies. Um, <laughs> the Grammys on Sunday also had a few film related wins. Obviously, Stars Born was, uh, you know, I think had, had a good night overall. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper won for best pop duo group performance. Bradley was at the BAFTAs. Lady Gaga gave a very tearful speech. She also gave a very intense performance, which was almost more like <laughs> Gaga doing shallow than than in character. Um, it was fun, actually. Like, I would say that actually. It was totally fun. That's just... what I wanted to see, actually. <laughs> I didn't want to see Ali doing shallow. I wanted to see Gaga doing shallow. Now I'm so much even more curious how they will do it at the Oscars. I right? know. Because you have the version of it that they did in Vegas yeah. when he came on stage to sing with her, and you have this very much more Lady Gaga version that happened at the Grammys, but and without him. chemistry is off the but, like, chart. But where would he fit into that version? I mean, that would be amazing. That would yes. If he goes full glam, rock star, gaga, monster, crazy for the Oscars, and then it will be the most exciting thing that has happened on the Oscars. <laughs> Which I would, I would say, be I favorite. think he could pull it off. So, yeah. yeah. They, you know, and it was interesting. They, they picked up a couple of other. They won a best song written for visual media, but also a number of other people associated with the film one. Dave Chappelle won for best comedy album. Brandi <laughs> Carlile, who you may have missed, but you should go back just to see briefly in the Roy Orbison tribute portion of the film in Stars Born, uh, cleaned up and made a really powerful performance. Um, and. But you know, ultimately, they lost to Childish Gambino um, and the songwriters for This Is why America for he, Record of the Year. Why didn't he go? Was there question a question mark? I don't believe there has not, been. No, right. I think like most of the answers I saw were like, yeah, Donald, right? Like they were, they were really like, we don't know. Sometimes he just doesn't go to things. Was like basically the vibe I got, which I think is in keeping with. Yeah, him. I, I mean, I also just think that traditionally the Grammys have had a very difficult history yeah. with uh, black artists and like hip hop in general. Mm -hmm. um, so often it's sidelined. Like I will still not forget the year that Beyonce did not win album of the year because how could yeah. she not? She had the most like important album of the and year. And even last night, win. I mean, we heard several people on stage criticize the Recording Academy, like Drake, yes. Dua Lipa, like people were, it's, it's such a weird dynamic. I appreciate that people feel like they can win a Grammy and get up and talk about how the Grammys have yep. problems is, yes. I think, a healthy situation, but is indicative of I a bigger problem. I will say, I was in the room last year in New York when uh, the then president, Neil Portnow, made this comment about how women needed to step up. Which do uh, it straight music. up called out which when I'm she so won last glad night, she did because was, I yeah. could not have rolled my eyes harder at him when he said oh. it. And I was in his eyeline, I think he was a bit like taken aback. Cause I was, I'm typing it, I'm like, you said what? Yeah. Um, my yeah, favorite I, I random piece of information from last night was that, so after doing his own sort of self-congratulatory speech about how he was wrapping up his tenure, he then declined to do any press. He did not appear in the press room afterwards. Of course. He was like, I'm done. I don't have to talk to you people anymore. Yeah, I think we're, we're, typical. we're in the middle of a, you know, we're experiencing it and watching it, uh, uh, you know, a, a sea change. And, and certainly in, at the Academy, I think, and I think we're likely to see it with Roma and a, a movie that really is a streaming movie be winning uh, perhaps likely for the first time it's a heavy favorite um, obviously you know I mean look nothing on the planet makes me feel older or whiter than the Grammys every year <laughs> where I think and I don't say that with an ounce of pride I think I always think That's okay you can sit with that yeah no but I mean I, I just feel like boy this is I am not I have not followed this I mean I do not know many Movie. of the people, people yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, and I think and I think I you know I don't want to just be playing 
you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival for my daughter. You know, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like, Ross her, I'd like her to, might have I know, her. I heard Diana Ross was there. I was like, yeah, yeah, right, I know her, right? Thank God. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so. You were not 80, even when you acted. I, I feel like the need to point out, just in case anyone hasn't seen you on TV, right. you right. were not I'm, as old as you. Uh, but, now, uh, right but now. you know, that felt like a, a sea change night yesterday yeah. at the yeah. Grammys, and I think we're experiencing it also uh, 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 in movies. I think Even seeing like Lady Gaga, uh, J-Lo, Michelle Obama, uh, Jada Pinkett, and oh, who's the other lady on stage? Why am I forgetting? At the beginning. Yeah, right at the I beginning. mean, there were so many women on stage, period. I think that was oh, what Alicia we were talking Keith. about last How night. did Alicia I just forget? Like, percentage Keith. of stage time. I just women. think like that was, I, I think, yes, there's a sea change happening, but it's also so long overdue. Mm -hmm. And I think overall what we're seeing is reflected by what we've been seeing in the entertainment industry right. across yeah. this past year with regards to representation. But even at the Oscar nominees luncheon, when everybody gets up to go, go and take this, this big class, annual class photo, for the first time, I was actually looking out and seeing so many more women than I'm used to seeing and women of color as well, which is excellent. And then I went to the Oscars uh, SciTech Awards um, <laughs> over the weekend, and you see the older Bastion there, and that is the the older, mm. very white male yeah. but you're not gonna, audience. I don't think you're going to have anybody on your show again who is uh, friendlier with more uh, octogenarians in Hollywood <laughs> than I am. Uh, uh, many of whom, most of whom, I, I, you know, many of whom become really close friends is one of the great perks of my job. And the stories they have. Oh, my mm. God, these, these guys, mm. you know. Uh, I tell you, you know, of course, like Hollywood is a pretty liberal place and these guys are fairly politically liberal, but then you then you get them actual talking and conversations and you're like, yep, yeah, I see what women were up against here. <laughs> I, 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 I got a very, so, but I sense, and this is just that a little bit that, the, again, you, yeah, it is a sea change and yes, it is decades and decades and decades overdue. But I, I do sense that their, their spirit uh, is broken a little bit, and I and, I, and that's good. And they've like there's a degree of resignation of like, well, it's time. okay, right? It's time. It is. Mm -hmm. this, this, our, we had a nice run, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and now uh, now but now we're gonna let some other people make some creative. This choices is here. why though, like, this is why we may see a movie like Green Book. No question. Win Best Picture because at the end of the day. No, no one in the Academy likes to be preached at and told what to do. And it's why last year we saw a movie like Shape of Water win over Get Out, which was arguably one of the most important movies of the year in terms of com conversation, impact on the industry and outside of the industry. The conversations that Get Out sparked, never seen anything like it. In the same way that we've seen Black Panther, in a way, have this resonance and um, impact that's so much larger than just it being a superhero movie. But I don't see mm -hmm. Black Panther winning. And meanwhile, when you are speaking to a lot of these older members of the Academy, a lot of people who are at the, the nominees luncheon, you ask them what their favorite movies are of the year. Green Book. Green Book. Yeah. No, no, because I've heard the exact same thing. And, and Mark Harris, uh, you know, wonderful writer for uh, Vulture and uh, written some really terrific movie books. Uh, he says this uh, far better than I. But, you know, the criticism of Green Book is not telling people that they're not liberal enough or they don't think right or that. Mm -hmm. But that is unquestionably what a lot of people heard. Mm -hmm. right? right. And Green Book, uh, which I enjoyed. Right. I mean, I the performances were very yeah. good. And uh, this is a well but then afterwards, movie, yes. you, I did get a sense. I was like, wow, I like this movie was uh, from 1988 and not, <laughs> not, not 2018. Seemed like, you know, I mean, again, yeah. the, the, the driving Miss Daisy comparisons, the Mississippi burning, mm -hmm. where you realize, oh my God, a civil, it turns out the civil rights movement was about the what? courage of FBI agents, right? Oh, you know, um, uh, and that said, didn't make the movie itself unwatchable. It was, you know, right. in, in, well, but, uh, uh, but there was just a sense uh, with Green Book that they, you know, that you like, they don't want to be preached at. You said yes. it exactly right. Don't tell me, like, I, why can't it be this way mm -hmm. where, where people who think wrongly are taught that they think wrongly and then everything's fine mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. examining the difficult parts of it that they don't want to talk about. But mm -hmm. I sense somehow, and I, again, this is all anecdotal, that, that if the Oscars had been on a, a January 24th and not February 24th, that Green Book would have stood a much 
better chance than it I does now. So. But I, of course, I feel like really as know. soon as the Golden Globes, I just felt like that was, I have just never seen an anti-campaign speech. Like, here are all the reasons to uh, not give me this prize. Right. As <laughs> Peter Farrelly's speech at the Globes. It was, yeah. it was literally, it was, it was watching. And I know you, yeah. like Pia, you said you were in the room and you guys, it wasn't the same in the room, but at home, yeah. it played like, powerfully as a reason not to. Yeah. I, I will say by that point, everybody in the room was drinking. I do think though that um, this comes down to, a lot of people have been holding up Green Book to Black Klansmen. Mm. And you can actually look at them as comparative pieces because... Speaking of heroic FBI agents. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, if you look at a piece of work that makes you incredibly uncomfortable about racial fractures in America right now, you look at Black Klansmen, and there, then you look at Green Book, which makes you feel very comfortable in how mm -hmm. to mend those, you know, how to sort of cross those bridges and mend those fractures. It, it is a very kind of cozy, comfortable, very comforting tale. And I think that's why, again, like, I think with Academy voters, especially this kind of older white male mm -hmm. voters that still dominate by a huge number to them, I imagine <laughs> that it's going to be a thing of like, well, we're going to go with like perhaps the safer option here. We're not going to go for something as provocative as Black Klansman, but you know, yeah. nominated it. And also like Black Panther is, it's a genre movie that they never tend to, the fact that a superhero movie is in Best Picture is shocking. That it won at SAG, I mean that. Yeah, that, it did. Yeah. And like that to me is like, I think the actors have always been a little bit more mm -hmm. kind of, the actors tend to be a little bit more liberal overall in terms of how they, and, and they're not afraid to make those choices, but I don't think the overall Academy, like I just don't see the guys in like the editing branch or whatever going for Black Panther. <laughs> so let's but talk I about... see like maybe Roma, this is where yeah. I see Roma and Green Book coming up. So this is what I've been thinking about some as, as I was putting together my notes to talk about this classic, you know, what makes a classic film and how a best picture gets there, right? I can see that world in which a movie like Green Book, be I mean, I don't, in a previous year anyway, I think could have become this sort of classic favorite in the way that a movie like Shawshank Redemption is right. like, you know, it's not really challenging, but it's rewarding and feels inspiring. And I yeah. can see it sort of translating into that. So, you know, Ben, obviously, yeah. you are here to help us understand how something becomes a classic. Mm. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't even, Take us what you said you have a definitive answer. I mean, I spent, I spent, like, the more time I spent digging into, okay, here's AFI's list of the top 100 films and which of them had won Best Oscars and Best Pictures and which of them had not. And looking at all the movies, you guys are airing 31 days of Oscar films of on Oscar, TCM. Yep, you have some amazing matchups that only made this, like, question, like, more crazy for me to consider. My favorite, I think, might be that on Valentine's Day, TCM is yeah, doing head-to-head -head both favorite uh, movie wedding and then favorite movie divorce. The bold Valentine's Day. Bold val the Valentine's. You've got like both the programming and the counter-programming all in one what day. What are our two divorce movies? Kramer versus Kramer is the... And Doddsworth. Yeah, um, Doddsworth. Before that, you've got the Philadelphia Story and Father of the Bride, the yeah. original, of course. Love. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what, what does it take for a Best Picture winner or loser to become a classic? How do you, how do you get from well, one point we, we get a variation of that question at you know every TCM event we have you know what makes a picture a classic right and and frequently it's you know how long does it take when can a movie become a classic is there a set what's the waiting years? we period. show you know we've shown we've is there a, like a TCM rule like how old does a movie have to be to show up on TCM I mean there's a rule because that you know getting a a, a, a terrific movie from this century that is still cost money mm -hmm. right so I mean, most of it is what's in our library i mean there's plenty of stuff we'd like to show but we mm -hmm. right. we can't afford it you know when what you're is competing. a new classic that you would love to see well we have had on 31 days of oscar we showed all three movies in the lord of the rings trilogy mm -hmm. one year oh, right because we were doing That's technical good. achievement and then and, and you know and i think you can certainly make an argument that mm -hmm. those are those are classics, mm -hmm. but you classic, you know, I mean, look, I'll, I'll you know, uh, Potter Stewart in describing from the Supreme Court, you know, pornography. I don't know quite. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. Sure. And, and that certainly, I think, applies to to uh, classic uh, films as well. You know, you, you know it when you see one. And, and the last Lord of the Rings movie did win Best Picture. That's right. Yeah. And, and dominated. Um, so and 
so we mean, when we say classic, we mean a movie that has stood the test of time. And we also, then again, sometimes mean any movie <laughs> from the golden age of Hollywood. Sure. Some of which are not very good, right? They weren't, it's not like everything they, you know, made from 19... 30 to 19. But it's in black and white. It must right, be. Right, so it must be. No. I mean, there were, I got news for you. There were some clunkers. And uh, so, um, so I don't really, there is no good answer. I mean, that, that you want the movie to continue to resonate and on an emotional level reach people, speak to people, move them in some way. I uh, just. And does that sometimes mean maybe that actually the more difficult. That's right. Controversial, yeah. or like not even necessarily intended to be controversial, but like really films that are really meant to challenge how I th- you I was think gonna, about you things. You just used the word I was going to use. Yeah. The movies that challenge us are, are, are frequently uh, are the movies that hold up. But also movies where just the art is perfect, where, you know, I uh, we just went to New York and interviewed, we'll air, be airing it soon, uh, Jeff Daniels, who's performing, uh, doing To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. So he, is, cool. so he is taking on... Atticus Finch and he's playing this Gregory Peck role. It's different. It's more true to the book than the movie was. Um, but uh, and so and pa- and Daniels then picked a couple of movies. He talked about the original, the uh, the Peck uh, version of To Kill a Mockingbird, and then he also uh, talked about A Trip to Bountiful with Geraldine Page from 1985. Um, and so I watched that, uh, and I'm going to confess here that I. I've talked about it before, I've introduced it before, and if you'd put a gun to my head and said, have you seen A Trip to Bountiful with Geraldine Page? I would have said, of course, I liked it very much. I've seen clips and I, and then I'm watching it and I realized three minutes in, I'm like, I, I have not seen this start to finish in any way, shape, or form. And then at the end of, it's about an hour and 40 minutes, and as I'm watching it, and I'm weeping during this movie. And my wife comes in and she says, it's okay, it's because of your strained relationship with your mother, and this is a mother <laughs> and her son, and, and I'm like, no. No, this is just simply the greatest piece of acting I have ever seen. This is art at its purest form. She is so good. She is so moving that it is literally like the way people, I guess, you know, go into a museum and look at a painting and they just can't stop. And mm-hmm. I was, so her, so that, it, you know, that, that movie will last forever. And there are others where just, again, the art is so perfect, whether it's the combination of the director and the script and the performances and the cinematography and you were left with something perfect. Many Best Picture winners don't, some some at least, maybe not many, but but more than a few Best Picture winners, I think, do not meet that standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they seem like Best Picture winners at the time, and then we look 10 years later. We're at the, what, 20th anniversary now of the one of the greatest injustices in Oscar history. There have been many. Which, to, which? Uh, Shakespeare in Love, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, that was, that was a big one. A couple of the others, when I was going through, <laughs> Different. I mean, certainly, I think Titanic. I, Titanic. I don't. Titanic is a classic to me. Sure. I'm right. Not, I, well, yeah. Titanic sure. is a is a is a you know. But much like it, I mean, because it was this. You know, it's not like it doesn't speak to the same thing as 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 Black Panther, but it in the sense of that people were like, "Holy wow, look at yeah. this!" Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, the, right. That we've got Forrest Gump beating out Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That was- I'm not mad about that one. You're okay with yeah. it. I'm actually okay with it because I think I, I actually love both movies a lot. I've seen, I think I've probably seen Forrest Gump a little bit more than I've seen Pulp Fiction in my life, but I I don't mind. And that's where feel good goes over. Yeah, right. It's okay to yeah. feel good. I, I don't. I, I mean, it's not quite as egregious as Dances with Wolves beating out Goodfellas, <laughs> um, which right. I feel like is definitely also one of those ones that. I think now would be a very different conversation. Wait, Ben, what's the most egregious to you? Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's Shakespeare in Love being said. Really? Shakespeare okay. Ryan, one of the most seminal movies of the last 50 years. I mean, the definitive World War II movie mm-hmm. since the sort of era where we were consistently making them, you know, after the sort of the beginning of the Cold War, where we sort of finally mm-hmm. stopped making World War II movies. And then, and then we make this sort of epic, largely perfect, moving picture, complicated movie. And then, and look, you can. And the wonderful thing is, is now we get to blame it aggressively on Harvey Weinstein because that was also sure. right. who doesn't want to blame things on Harvey now. Um, and that was one of the first times that uh, it certainly was not the first, but the but, but Miramax's Miramax, yeah. campaign mm-hmm. oh. was over the top aggressive, and yeah. Spielberg reacted to that uh, like a, a decent person would, which was this is sickening and we're not gonna participate in it. Mm-hmm. And the result is then on Oscar night, despite the fact that he won Best Director, uh, the movie inexplicably lost. 
Hmm. But you know, ordinary people, incredibly moving, not a yeah. feel good, but obviously a terrific motion picture, great. Uh, 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 but uh, but it is not Raging Bull. Mm -hmm. uh, right, Kramer versus Kramer and Apocalypse Now. I can't believe that 2001 A Space Odyssey was beaten by Oliver. Yeah, well, that's right. That's <laughs> but again, but 2001. That's how I'm going to feel this year if Bohemian Rhapsody wins anything else other than. And I prefer Oliver to Bohemian Rhapsody. But all those movies that you're mentioning, like Ordinary People is good. Kramer versus Kramer is good. Right. Uh, I, I, and this is the sort of ridiculous right, point of the year right. where we Shakespeare get down to only be one. Shakespeare in Love is at best fine. Like, it's fine. At best. At best. It's fine. It's fine. It was a movie. It's it was fine. Okay. Okay. And so I get. And, and 2001. You know, uh, obviously in hindsight, you revote now it beats right. Oliver, but 2001 alienated people then. I believe And I got that. friends mm -hmm. who love movies now, who love science fiction now, who just saw 2001. I got a really guy I really like, a guy Shane yeah. knows too. And, and he was like, that was terrible. Right? Oh, so, but then, but yeah. then you have something like Seeing in the Rain, which my favorite film of all time. Right which was barely even nominated for anything. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. And and yet is now and was not critically well received at the time either. No, it's but it, it's now a has derivative really, at the time. Which instead right. of meta, right? right. Which is right. really the right. word they didn't have to talk about what it was doing. That's right. Um so there yeah. are a lot of mistakes that the academy has made, but by and yeah. large they get it right and the, and many of those are there at the time uh, uh defendable. The reason that I think Shakespeare in Love stands out is because of the artificiality of what happened, right? The, right. the, the campaigning, mm -hmm. which feels unseemly to all of us, but now has just become a, a, a part and so parcel. You're, of you're not business. mad about Citizen Kane losing? No, that was also politics too, of course, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but How Green With My Valley is a, is a, is a great movie. Sure, it's right. a great movie, but it, it ain't. It, it, I will it's say, <laughs> and not just to plug our current Entertainment Weekly issue, which is an incredible retrospective of romantic comedies. So please pick it up because it's awesome. Um, but this is. Was there a, something in there that you were like, ah, oh, why didn't this win? To me, like it's so funny to me that there is an entire genre mm -hmm. of these incredible films that. I certainly can say have been incredibly formative mm -hmm. to my life with my best friend's wedding, like, yeah. you know, on the cover. Okay, that's almost like an argument in favor of Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it well, just I, wasn't the best rom-com ever either. Yeah, Shakespeare in Love wasn't barely anything, really. And I, I certainly haven't been compelled to go back and rewatch it. Although I had to for like when I studied Shakespeare in, in mm -hmm. university for some reason. Was there but, a rom-com in our coverage that you were like, oh, this should have won award? I just, I'm always surprised when we're looking at what makes a classic film, mm -hmm. and I look at the movies that I go back to mm -hmm. over and mm -hmm. over and over again, and believe it or not, when I go back to the older movies, to me, anything with Marilyn, I will happily go and rewatch. Like, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Seven Year Itch, like all of these movies I love so much. I go back, Breakfast at Tiffany's, I go back and watch so much. And then if we're going into like mm -hmm. the last 20, 30 years, again, like the movies I like to, this maybe says a lot about me, but the movies I like to go back and rewatch in my own time when I just need something that's a little yeah. bit of a like, hey, I just want to watch something while eating dinner. I end up going back to rom-coms, and this is a genre that I just feel never ever gets a look in at the well, Academy. Let me do a little pitch for the, the 10th annual uh, TCM uh, Film Festival, April mm -hmm. 11th through 14th uh, in Hollywood. Again, it's our 10th, and it's coming in the 25th year of TCM. Uh, and our theme this year is love at the movies, and we got a lot of those great romantic <laughs> comedies there. And we are opening Amazing. opening night uh, uh, with the uh, 30th uh, anniversary of uh, When Harry Met Sally. I was just gonna say, and, When Harry Met uh, Sally to me is the film that like that is so perfect. It's and, a great, it's a gorgeous film. And, and and Billy Crystal, who's we're also giving a hand and having a hand and footprint ceremony in front of yeah. the old uh, Chinese theater. Billy that. Crystal will be there. Meg Ryan will be there. Rob Reiner will be there. So it'll be a big. Open I love. Night. See, this makes me happy. Like when we're talking about timeless movies yeah. in Hollywood, the fact that like when it comes to the award, the awards worthy movies, the fact that we kind of don't have this one genre represented, and yet so much of like Hollywood golden age or like even mm. the best movies have been these brilliant like from I mean it was something we saw a little bit more of at Golden Globes right so we had Crazy Witch Asians like there was a little bit more True. of that lighter which I, I would argue is a rom-com it's not you know oh, regardless of what the book was is like the, the movie a rom -com. Yes. Yes. yes um what of the films Ben from from this year would you say should 
without doubt appear on TCM as soon as it is financially feasible. Like, which, or which, <laughs> or, but just in general, oh, which, well, which you, I mean, we don't have to pick one, but like, which of the best picture nominees do you truly well, think deserves a that? A Star is Born, obviously, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, we, we air the other three, right? How are you, uh, you got to fill that up. Um, so, uh, A Star is Born, uh, you know, A First Man. Yeah. Wait, let's go back oh. to A Star is Born. We haven't asked you about this. Mm -hmm. As, as a, you know, compared to the classic versions of it, where would you rank this one? Uh, second, after the original. After the original, the original. My the original is so different. Wait, it almost which feels weird to like rank the, the original? The original, me, original. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Jan, Janet Gaynor, oh. Frederick March is I the best one. Uh, I I don't now. There, most people would answer the Judy Garland, Janet yeah. Mason uh, version. Uh, Man, I, I too, went back and did a rewatch um, on these this year, and that one was. Uh, Painful. Again, and right. I, I don't. I, I mean, when I say too long, it sounds dismissive. I mean, it's a you know, it's a terrific, you know, like if, if I've become uh, one, a great thing about this job. Again, I'm, so I've become friends with Mario Cantone, and he would he would punch me right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, but I love. And I think Janet Gaynor's terrific and just sort of believable as an ingenue. And Frederick March and and Spencer Tracy uh, March is in the movie, uh, mm -hmm. but Spencer Tracy and Frederick March to me are the two mm -hmm. greatest. Hollywood mm -hmm. uh, actors in the golden age. So I just think that's perfect. And, and I think there's a lot to like in the uh, Streisand uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Christopherson version, but it's not as good as those other two. Gotcha. And, and I think the, this version here is, uh, I think it's excellent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really good. And, and I'm glad to see it nominated. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to, a, you know, a, a new version, you know, 20 years from now. Entirely, <laughs> entirely with the uh, Kardashians. Okay. Right. Oh. Yeah. okay, so Stars uh, Born so Roma, obviously, you know, you, again, you remove, uh, we can, uh, mm -hmm. um, Vice, I think, you know, uh, we can, I mean, yeah. on a night of political movies, you know, there's some mm -hmm. show, John Ford's The Last Hurrah with Spencer Tracy, you could throw Vice in there. Uh, the favorite, uh, Black Klansman, certainly, you know, Black Panther, you know, I, I, I don't know that we're ever, does I'm Super, sure we, Does Superman run on TCM? Like, what are, are there? We have not run, we have not run Superman. Superman one and one two, I which were, were written by uh, uh, my cousin Tom Mankiewicz. Um, I don't think so. I don't think we've had. But I might be wrong. I could I could well be wrong about whether we've done that. Um, so you know, I, the, the superhero movies as good as Black Panther was, as good as Iron Man was, uh, you know, as good as Wonder Woman. Those are to me like the three mm -hmm. best superhero mm -hmm. movies. Maybe the the good uh, mm -hmm. the good Batman. Uh, Are you the, saying First Man also? Is that I, I, thought first, first, I, yeah, I think First Man's excellent. Yeah. I just think it's terrific. And, I, and Damien Chazelle has this great, you know, he, is a, he's a, he has a full and complete appreciation of classic Hollywood. He's a really he does, interesting yes. guy to talk to. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of really good movies. I, I mean, Green Book, obviously. Green Book, it, Green Book, in many ways, already feels like a movie made. <laughs> But I mean, in the sense no, it's that Green Book if it was from saying, the 80s. <laughs> right, right. It already feels like a movie that was made that that, that we could justify. It just it, it's not the right uh, time for. And again, if Green Book had been made and liked and not nominated for Best Picture, then none of us is. Yeah. We're not and and win. Yeah. Even because it because all of a sudden there was a moment where we thought, are they going to make this? Is this yeah. movie going to be best? It's still the second favorite. Yeah. I mean, Roma is like four to eleven, which means you got about, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of three hundred bucks to win a hundred on Roma, yeah. and and uh, Green Book is five to one. It's the second choice, so it's not, it's not out of the running. No, it's not at all. And I really do think, having spoken to quite a few of the uh, the Academy members in the past week. Green Book is the one that they sort of keep going to, which they, you're a bit and like, get, just oh. to put a stamp on that previous conversation, uh, they, th some of that argument against it, there was a, unquestionably a backlash. They were saying, don't tell me that I am not racially yeah. sensitive. Right. I am. I always have been. And I'm going to vote for Green Book. Yeah. And I'm going to prove it to you by voting. But I definitely think in a year when we've had such powerful movies that talk to you know the the racial like issues of racial fractures in our society right now because all of these movies draw a very direct parallel to present day the fact that it it's this very dated feeling feel good movie about a white driver who kind of teaches a black classical pianist sort of how to behave in some ways or whatever how it is how, his life. how to yeah how to how to really enjoy the black experience in some right. ways right. to me a, a lot of that i understand what they were trying to do but you know for me as a <laughs> person of color i'm not hugely inclined to have that whereas for me like a you know movie like beale street black Klansmen, they felt really prescient and urgent and very powerful 
Uh, but again, I'm not voting. Yeah. Thank goodness about that. Three, yeah. three movies that aren't nominated to me were just so dying. I mean, Beale Street. Uh, Beale Street, uh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I think my two favorite movies of the year uh, were A Quiet Place mm. uh, and Eighth Grade. Oh, eighth yeah. grade! I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up. To me, eighth yeah. grade was like um, such a perfect yeah. film. Well, luckily for all of us, TCM doesn't require something to have won an Oscar to get programs <laughs> on it, nor do any of the other cable channels or anyone else who's airing it or your streaming accounts. Um, and and yeah, I you know I I always joke that one of my least favorite phrases as an editor, um, and I would cut out of stories all the time was "time will tell." Well, I think the laziest way to get yourself out of a story. But this is literally a situation. Yeah, right. Some, two right. weeks time, to go. Time will tell which of these emerges as our that's cultural right. classic. Two weeks to go. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I am very the real time I will tell. I mean, even beyond. That. This is true. Yes, we'll see what happens on Oscar night, and then let's see what happens a year from now and what we. Because I, mean, I don't know now. how many people yeah. are necessarily talking about A Shape of Water. I've gone back to even no. rewatch it no. um, since it's won. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm yeah. always fascinated by that. All right, when we come back, Pia's interview with Cold War director Pavel Pavlikovsky and a few more bold takes from Ben. Stick around. This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Get unlimited data and live TV, plus your choice of one of seven premium add-ons like HBO, Cinemax, or Pandora. Go to att.com unlimited to learn more. After 22 gigabytes per line per month, AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds when the network is busy. Note that video may be limited to standard definition. Choose one premium add-on only. Content programming, and channels subject to change. Additional usage, speed, limits, and other restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Awardist. I'm Shana. I'm here with Ben Mankiewicz from Turner Classic Movies. Ben, everyone we have had, in, uh, including our own staff and friends who have come to join us and directors, we've asked for one kind of big bold take one prediction it was partly just for my own sanity because when we were talking about these things in october and november it still seemed mythical that we were ever going to get to the point where someone might win a best picture oscar um but now even in this final stretch tell me what are your what's your your boldest prediction well i mean i i think that the show uh, will be uh have they decided not to have a host is that official there's officially no host it's officially no host yes. um I think they will regret that, and I think they will have a host next year. I don't know how bold that is. Who would uh, you Who would you love to see host the Oscars? Um, you know, I'd love to see a, a a comic actor or actress do it. A comic actor. Mm -hmm. I got to remember. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, by the way, one of the things I'm trying really hard to do at TCM is. Uh, Unless you're talking about the best actress Oscar, mm -hmm. but all women, actors. all women actors. Right? Sure. Everybody's an actor. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean. And somebody who, you know, so, I mean, I'd love to see Sarah Silverman okay. host the Oscars. Sure. Right? You know, because um, I think you have to have, you know, when we saw with James Franco and Anne Hathaway that uh, were both enormously talented. Sure. Right? I right? feel like as an actor, the risk of hosting the Oscars outweighs the benefit. Well, you know, as, as a, I'm a, I'm a professional host. Yeah. Uh, and I've done some emceeing and I'm, I'm okay at that, but it is a different skill set, right? And, uh. A comedian, people who get up on stage already in mm -hmm. front of a live audience, have a sense of, of how that works. And so, so you're yes, saying those cinematographers were a tough crowd. Cinematographers are such. So when you get a laugh out of cinematographers, what did they laugh at? What was your cinematographer? Well, we had laugh Matt at? Oswald wrote a great line. You know, Tom Lennon came in to introduce an award, one of the television cinematography awards. And uh, so I said, you know, uh, uh, again, this is all Matt's line, but I said, you know, the, our, our, the, our next presenter is not. A cinematographer, but he is known as the Greg Toland of Instagram. Greg Toland, who shot Citizen Kane, and and, uh, and I thought, like, if this room doesn't get a huge laugh at the Greg Toland, no, no, they weren't that into it. Yeah, maybe they are yeah. just not into Instagram. Yeah, maybe maybe they don't know what Instagram is. Uh, but again, afterwards, so when I got some wonderful compliments uh, afterwards, uh, which was really nice, but like you just know, like this is a room ready to. Yeah. Uh, you know, we said this, it's the 100th anniversary of the ASC, of, of the American Society of Cinematographers, but that's really only 86 years if you discount all the time spent adjusting lights. Mm. That got booed. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think it, was, it was fun booing, right? Yeah. Right. It was yeah. it was good natured heckling, but sure. uh, but again, they and you just look, you know, everybody nominated for an ASC award or seventy two percent of them, you know, you can't pronounce their names. They have a they all have an umlaut. Yes, sure. Uh, uh, and so you look at these sort of stern Europeans looking back at you. You're uh, not amused. Uh, but anyway, it was fun, and, and so when you win over that crowd, you know you've. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see a, a, a an, an actor uh, who's also a. Uh, uh, you know, who, who plays comedy well mm -hmm. and gets comedy and, you know, and, and I, so, I, so I bring up Sarah Silverman. You know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, is not, they can't just host the Golden Globe. They were, no, they, were, they, were amazing. they were amazing. Right? Yeah. Okay. Any other bold takes? That's your one. I think Roma is going to uh, 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 do some uh, sweeping, you know, I think Roma's yeah. going to win. Uh, uh, I think uh, Quaron's going to win. I think it's going to win Best Picture. I think he's going to win Best Cinematography. Um, and, uh, you know, Glenn Close is going to win. Um, uh, Rami Malek is going to win. I don't want to spoil everything, but that's how this is mm -hmm. going to go. Mahershala. Best supporting. Uh, uh, um, I feel like it's Mahershala's to win. Uh, Mahershala, yeah. I, th I wanted to uh, uh, look up what his odds were because I think that's probably. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about odds. So you. Yeah. Yeah, you like to gamble. I you... do. I don't. I, I've. 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 I'm in the middle of a massive cutting back period, but I'm still <laughs> okay. incredibly intrigued by it. And even now, when I don't gamble, I'm still. I look at games every night. And sure. I would bet on this. Okay. Mahershala Ali, you got to bet fourteen hundred dollars to win a hundred. So that's over. He's going to win. Who know? sets these odds? Where Where are these international these are, odds? Or these are international. Vegas. These are, these are taken. I'm, I'm giving you one example. His odds are similar to that everywhere. But those are from thirty sites. Sure. International okay. bookmakers said it. So these are real, real money's being exchanged. So you know, you could take a shot and be like, "Hey, I'm going to bet Richard E. Grant and and put up a hundred bucks and maybe I'll win eight hundred. But they're unlikely to be wrong. And uh, you know that I like basically grew up in a casino, right? That's right. So Absolutely. and um, part of why I actually really dislike bracketology is because it was my father's way of resolving every situation, like where we wanted to go to dinner, like make a bracket, like <laughs> go down, what were the odds that you had to bet on it? But um, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that most of these, are, you know, a prohibitive favorite, uh, Rami Malek is a big favorite, not quite as big. Uh, Christian Bale has a shot, he's like three to one. Um, but Glenn Close is a really solid favorite at uh, uh, you got to bet uh, basically 600 just to win 100 uh, on Glenn Close. The second choice there is uh, Olivia Coleman at 4 to 1, Lady Gaga 14 to 1. Okay. Lady Gaga 14 to 1. So, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, and uh, she, you know, so she's not going to win. No. Not going to win. But if you're in Vegas seeing her show, put some money down. And I think what we learned here from late, I'm never, I say this uh, all the time, that when, you know, do not ever be surprised when a performer like that, someone who really puts on a big stage show, mm -hmm. Um, and who has really enthusiastically yeah. campaigned in a way that felt not we like you know I mean I think sometimes you do see that campaigning and you're like whoa this feels no, aggressively weird she just has felt I think everyone has been so pleasantly surprised she's shown up for everything she's so happy to be there she's grateful every time she went I didn't know anything from Lady Gaga I heard her I heard her on Howard Stern by herself <laughs> and I thought and then she played she played the piano songs oh, yeah. she written and she sang and I was like this is one of the most talented people I've ever heard and mm -hmm. I this was you know five years ago but I. Uh, uh, just never be surprised when an, when a, when someone like Lady Gaga or Mick Jagger mm -hmm. turns out they can act mm. like they are performers. Yes. You know, I mean, I you know, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I, my guess is if Bruce had decided to act instead of be a rock star, mm -hmm. he'd be a really good actor. He's got a great yeah. face for that. Yeah, he does. He has yeah. a, he has a character actor's mm -hmm. face. There's no question. But he could have been a leading man, and he'd have been really good at it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this was super fun. It's been fun. really nice yeah. to, to have you here. Um, we're going to hear Pia talking to Cold War director Pavel Pavlikowski. Uh, she spoke to him last week at the Oscar nominee luncheon. This film is beautiful. It is. It's a great um, film. And here we go. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And congratulations. So I would love to know, obviously this is such a personal story for you to be telling, but what was the mo one moment in when you were writing it uh, or conceiving it that you knew that it was going to be something truly very special and unique? Yeah, I had these moments like once every week and then I had moments of total depression. It's never going to come together. So, but when I felt we're on, that is shaping up, Oh God, I don't, I don't remember the exact moment, but um, I realized that we have like five good scenes in it already, and usually we have five really good scenes, and, and the film is, is going to possibly work. <laughs> so, uh, 
but but when I really felt we we're on to something is when I started uh, rehearsing and uh, introduced the music and uh, started you know, looking at locations and photographing locations. It all started coming together. In fact, there wasn't a kind of one moment. You know, it was like a slow process, partly depressing, partly exciting. Uh, and then suddenly you've got the critical mass and it seems that this film's going to be working. But then when you shoot it, you know, the, the, you know, halfway through the shoot, you think, God, this is just such nonsense. You know, <laughs> how is this ever going to work? So, so it's a constant toing and froing, you know, between uh, excitement and, and despondency. Um, I do think that's quite fascinating, given that it is it's a story of your parents, right? Yeah, give or take. I mean, I couldn't retell their story exactly. It's similar. The mechanics are very similar. The couple is very similar, but their story spread over forty years, and uh, and they, um, you know, it was even more complicated than than the stuff in the film. So, but they were the inspiration, yeah. And and that kind of couple is what's always been kind of at the back of my head. Has been ever since they died in nineteen eighty nine. That's that story was kind of growing in me, and you know, I kind of had, I knew I had to make it one day. But uh, yeah, but after Ida, I sort of felt this is, the, this is the right time. This is the right time to make another Polish black and white film that possibly nobody's going to watch. But but it's uh, but I could kind of see how how to do it, and and somehow mentally I was equipped and technically as as well. So yeah, it was the right time. Well, it sounds like I mean you've certainly been thinking about this for at least what like thirty, forty years at this uh, stage, right? Yeah, but now as a film later, you know, it was mm -hmm. like like ten years ago. I started thinking, oh, that's a good starting point for a story. But that kind of love, I was always looking out for these kind of love stories with two equally strong characters mm -hmm. who are kind of mismatched, and uh, and who one is up once and the other one down, and then the other way around, and the relationship looked good in Poland, and suddenly abroad it looks completely different, you know. I love that kind of situation. I've been in it myself, you know, so it's not just my parents that make it personal, it's actually very personal, full stop. Uh, so uh, so that's been with me for, for a long time. And we have a love story like this, which is so full of uh, paradoxes and twists and two strong characters and neither giving way. Uh, and you put it in a historical context, you know, Stalinism, Poland, exile, Mm, you know, absence from each other. You know, suddenly, it has so much more than just a love story. You know, it just you know, it's about a lot of different things. And then music, of course, the music became like a separate character in the film. You know, it became the third character. Music is what you know, and they're both musicians. So, music is what brings them together and keeps them together, and what uh, defines where they are uh, in their relationship. And um, and that that be, that that was a huge help and a huge pleasure in the film, you know, just the musicals. So you have this beautiful love story that you're setting in the Cold War period with that as the backdrop. How did you feel like it was going to resonate with audiences in 2018, 2019? Mm, like, well, you never know who your audience is. You kind of make it for yourself, you know. It would, I would love to see such a film, you know. That's the, in the end, it's the only, only criterion you have, you know. Would you like to see this film, you know? So, so I didn't know how, whether it would resonate. I didn't realize how, having made it, uh, and it's traveled really well, you know, that's really good box office everywhere, surprisingly, in Spain, England, France, Poland, huge. So I just, it, what surprised me is how many young people got it, you know, although you kind of think you might need a bit of historical background, but actually you don't, you kind of get it via the emotional journey. So that was a big, big surprise, you know, how how young people really kind of go go with it, um, and then how many different cultures, you know, Korean, Spanish, you know, they, what can they make of this situation in, in Poland in 1950? But they all get it, and, and it seems to be relevant to their lives and to today, even. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's some resonances of today in the film, as you probably noticed. But yeah, it, but it took me by surprise how widely it, it travelled. I, I was kind of interested about the kind of Amazon factor of that mm -hmm. as well. Like, just when you, as a filmmaker, when you are making a film that is then distributed by Amazon, mm -hmm. did that con <coughs> sorry, did that concern you at all, or no, no, but or what did you feel they had added to it? But Amazon, I mean, I'd known the, you know, Ted Hope and uh, and, and Bob 
Bernie, I've known them when they were in the indie world, you know, uh, and I liked them a lot, they were cinephiles, so I always had this kind of personal personal relationship with them and I trusted them. I mean, Amazon is, is the American distributor, in France it's, you know, MK2, you know, or um, in Poland, you know, so it's, so it's not just Amazon. But they, but they are very sensitive, and they believe in cinema, you know, which is, <laughs> they still want a kind of cinema release, which is a, a, a kind of rare, you know, be possibly a threatened uh, phenomenon, you know. So, so I, I like that. I, I, I like the fact that they are that they're pushing for cinema release, and, and they, they, you know. So we saw eye to eye on, on that front. And uh, how do you feel like this movie, given just how personal it really does seem to you, how do you think it might have impacted you in the way you make films going forward? Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's if you set the 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 how do you call it the, the bar quite high, uh, it's difficult to just go back to something you know that has less in it emotionally and less. It's not just that it's personal, but it has so many layers. It's difficult to. You know, I mean, one as a as a writer director, you have like three or four good stories in your life. You know, they usually come from your life. I mean, Ida was kind of previous film I did was kind of personal too. Uh, and then and then you and if this film, you know, and it takes three years of your life, and you know, and then suddenly when it's over, and you have all these kind of proposition proposals or like projects that people send you, or you invent, I invent stories every day. You know, but but it has to have that kind of weight. You know, so it's a so it kind of blocks you a little bit, you know. Do I really sp want to spend three years of my life on something that isn't as weighty as this one? It's tricky. Well, you've done the, you've obviously done the Oscars beat before, uh, and Ida, as you mentioned, is such a great film. Um, but what do you think? How important are the Oscars to you, and what? How do you think they impact a movie like Cold War? Um, well, they just bring it to a huge audience and. Um, well, it is it is like the Olympics of cinema, you know. So it really, you know, well, you kind of pretend I don't care, you know. Time will tell if a film is good or not, you know. Time is the best judge, blah blah blah. And then when the Oscars come around and you're on this kind of escalator, you get more and more kind of worked up and excited, and uh, uh, so so it means a lot. It also means a lot, you know. Like today's event, when you meet all these filmmakers, some of them are friends, you know. It's really nice to be in that in the in that company and you kind of you know it's a good feeling that there's a kind of world of cinema that's not cynical that's not all about you know money uh, and, and it's very reassuring and then when a film that's made not for not to make money and that's made in a very kind of handmade way and a lot of people put a lot of love into it the actors the you know the technicians the DP they're all really uh, so if a film that's kind of made very naively in a way, you know, uh, if that gets the recognition we're getting, you know, that's a huge thing, you know, yeah. because it really wasn't uh, made for the Oscars, you know, it was just made for ourselves, uh, out of uh, out of our passion and you know emotions that we have. Uh, so so it's a huge thing, uh, you know. Of course, Oscar, you know, very you know, a lot of things for your career, but yeah, but yeah, but in the end, it's. It, it doesn't help you come up with another good story, you know, so <laughs> it's encouraging. It tells you, keep doing your own thing and you might, you know, and people will notice. That's what was your favourite film of 2018 outside of your work? Uh, I like the favourite mm -hmm. a lot. I like, I, I, I admire Roma. Uh, I, uh, I like the Italian film that didn't get nominated uh, called... Um, Lazar, Happy as Lazaro. Mm. It's a beautiful film by Alicia Rodlacher. That was like that was for me the film of the year, okay. in some ways. Yeah. Birds of Passage, I thought it was fantastic. You know. mm -hmm. I like uh, the the Japanese film Shoplifters. You know, okay. and there's a lot of it's a good year for for cinema. So okay. you know, there was enough to watch. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pia and Pavel, for talking to us. Thank you, Ben Minkowitz, for being here today. Oh, this was such a pleasure. I'll do it. Great to have you. Anytime. Um, please come back. Uh, you can watch, presumably, Ben, you introducing films as part of TCM's 31 Days of Oscar. Yeah, me and all uh, month. Alicia Malone, Dave Carger, uh, all month. Uh, we've uh, preempted uh, Noir Alley and Eddie Muller until March. You got to wait till March to see him. But all month, and in prime, so every movie we have Oscar nominated or winning. 
Uh, and during primetime, we have sort of paired movies together, double features. You know, I also liked the best singing cowboy right, showdown. Best singing cowboy. We have um, uh, uh, movie nuns, nun story, Agnes <laughs> of God. Uh, we have some really uh, uh, fun. Yeah, we have some good stuff. Who played Henry VIII better, Robert Shaw or Charles Lawton? What's your uh, vote? Uh, Charles Lawton. It's such a powerful <laughs> performance because he, you know, Henry VIII was not a slob. He was not a gro. He didn't throw chicken legs over his. Uh, There's uh, no Queen Anne. Right. So, but Charles Lawton played him that way, and that was so good that 86 years later, we still think that's how he was. A best movie mutiny we have. Uh, best best picture winner that didn't win any other awards. Right. This Timely. Right, right, exactly. There you go. Uh, uh, you know, so there's a lot of uh, uh, military romances, boxing biopics. We got uh, uh, softer side of Scorsese. We have Hugo in the Age what of What is Innocence. your favorite classic film of all time? I mean, uh, probably it's a, it's either Casablanca or Paths of Glory. Okay. Uh, we, I, I, I sort of, I suggested earlier in the show that there are plenty of people who, who don't love uh, Kubrick's uh, 2001 uh uh, it is not my favorite. Not your it's fave. pretty far down my list of coop. But that said, you know, Paz of Glory is as perfect a war movie as has ever been, ever been made. And and look, man, you know, Casablanca. There's not a moment where you're not moved by it, no matter how many times you've seen it. Well, thank you for coming by to talk to us. Uh, you can always get complete awardist coverage on EW.com and in the magazine. We'll be back next week with our final round of predictions and news leading up to the Oscars. Um, and so please subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. While you're at it, check out EW's TV Critics' new podcast, Best of Shows, with Kristen Baldwin and Darren Franich. This week, Darren grills the Masked Singer's executive producer, Craig Plestis, about the singing competition's second season um, and gets some really good scoops. So if that is the show you have been uh, sneaking off to watch and obsessed with, like mm. many other people, you can hear more about how they keep everything secret, uh, how they do the crazy costumes, how hard it was to get celebrities to sign up when it hadn't, uh, it was a new untested show. All of that is on Best of Shows. Um, and thank you as always for joining us for the awardist from EW and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>